You know, it's difficult to believe that this is the eighth Sunday that we've not been able to gather together fully as God's church here at Temple. And yet, we still have the opportunities that God has given us through the social media, through even this live stream. But haven't these weeks seemed somewhat surreal to you? They have been to me. They've been almost dreamlike. To think, to think of, to think of stay-at-home orders, to think of businesses that are closed, to think of schools that have been dismissed, to think of a disease that is somehow spreading into our community. It seems so surreal. It's hard for me to even, even fathom what is going on these last few weeks. Certainly there is a city named Wuhan that has now become, unfortunately, synonymous with disease and death. To think that all of these things we're facing basically originated halfway around the world. But I want you to know that Wuhan should not be thought simply as a place where disease originated. As I've been reading the stories over the last few weeks, I have seen how Christians have used this opportunity right there in Wuhan to make a difference for the kingdom. You ought to go and read some of those stories. You ought to hear about how Christians have stood in the streets and how they have shared the love of Christ as they've given out masks. You ought to hear the stories of how believers have stood on their balconies and they have declared the righteous name of Jesus Christ. You ought to hear the story of the one who walked down to the pharmacy and there set up his own little sound system so he could share the good news of Jesus Christ. You need to hear the good stories. You need to hear the story of Mama Xu. Mama Xu, an 80-year-old who had traveled to Wuhan to be with her son during the new year and to celebrate together. And unfortunately, while she was there, she contracted COVID-19. She went into the hospital and she stayed there she was in and out of consciousness. But thanks be to God that there was a pastor who was faithful to reach her. A pastor who did whatever it took to get to her there in that ICU unit. And God gave a window of consciousness to her so that this pastor could share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And before her death, she accepted Christ as her Savior. Those are the stories we need to be reminded of. We need to be reminded that there are bold, courageous stories going on in the midst of darkness. We need to be reminded that there are stories that God himself is writing today. And we need to be reminded that you and I live in the context of a bold story. We live in the context of a story of God coming to save the nations. It is a bold story. And all bold stories should be told. That's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 24. I invite you to turn there this morning. Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 49. Jesus speaks to his disciples. Remember, he has been resurrected from the dead. This is a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And Jesus now, he is teaching his disciples. He had launched out into an Old Testament survey to remind them that there is a unified story of God. God has been writing a story from eternity. And God has been working toward his own purpose and his own plan. And Jesus reminded them in verses 44 through 46 that he was the hero of the story. That he was the central character. He was the hope. He was the one that had been prophesied about. Even the Old Testament had told that there would be a crucifixion 
and a resurrection. Jesus had already taught that to his disciples. And now he says this bold story must be told. Look, if you will, again, let's begin in verse 46 where Jesus is speaking to them and he says, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. What Jesus says is that there is a story that is to be told among all nations. Look in verse 47 again. It says, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. He had talked about how his crucifixion how his resurrection had been foretold in the Old Testament. But then he says, even in the Old Testament, God was writing a story for the nations. It was not simply one nation, Israel. It was not just the Israelite experience that he was concerned about. It was the whole nation. It was a global effort. Isn't that, isn't that a bold effort? Think about today. If there was a business that said, we're going to launch out and we're going to become a worldwide company. I would say to you that's bold. And I say to you that the business of the Father is bold. That he wants to reach all the nations for his glory. There's a word that's been used recently. The word pandemic. It probably had not even entered into our vocabulary for some time. But now people talk about a pandemic. Well, when I hear words, I like to go back and try to see how they originated. Yes, I am a nerd. Most people would look at me and they would see my athletic physique and they would think that I spend all of my time in the gym and, you know, caring for my physical body. But there are times I like to be inquisitive with my mind as well. And I decided to look at that word pandemic and to see where it originated from. The word pan comes from the Greek all or every. Demic comes from demos, which is a Greek word for people or gathering. So it means all people, all gathering. So when you talk about a pandemic, you talk about how the world, all people have been impacted, certainly impacted by disease. So the word has been used over and over these past few weeks to, de to describe what we're going through. I looked at the original text here in this passage. And when I was reading through it, this idea of all nations, it, the word for all is pan or panta. Think about that. Same word that's being used to describe a pandemic. The, the word is used right here in the original, all, every. Now, the word nations, it's not the typical word for people. It's rather the word ethnos or ethne which means all ethnicities, all peoples, all nations. So when I think about the pandemic, which is destructive, I think about here the message to all nations, the, those who are to reach all peoples. And I see how Jesus Christ, he comes to bring life and salvation and healing. Here you have the pandemic, which brings disease and destruction. Jesus says that we need to be about the gospel of Christ, and we need to go into all nations. We need to make a difference for who Jesus is. There's always been a plan for this. Understand God has always been a missionary. 
God has always been a missionary. And he's had a global focus. I love the words of Numbers 14, 21. The words of Moses as he was speaking to the people of Israel. He gave us just an insight on what God was attempting to achieve. What was God's goal? What was God's purpose? Moses spoke to the people of Israel and he said in Numbers 14, 21. But truly, as I live... All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Moses said, there will be a day when all of the world will be filled with the glory of the Lord. So what God is doing among the nations, what he's thinking about is bringing his glory to the whole globe. Bringing his glory to all nations. Now I know the term glory can be abstract sometimes. I remember just struggling with trying to describe glory in concrete terms. Some years ago, as I was there at Saltola High School, I had a Bible teacher that, that tried to give me an analogy to help me as I tried to understand this word glory. I want to share it with you. I want to tell you this analogy, this illustration this morning. Let, let's say, for example, that this morning I was responsible for all of the lighting for all of the media resources that would enable us to live stream. Let's say that I was responsible. I was the one who created all of that equipment. And I know that is frightening for many of you to think that I would even begin to dabble in technology, but to be responsible for the live stream. But let, let's say that I've determined I was the one that was going to create the new lights for this live stream. I was going to create the new software. I was going to create everything. So let's say I'm going to create it all. Now, come Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we go to live stream, and it works. Let's say it works. Hopefully, it's working for you this morning. And you were to find out that I had created all these things and that it actually worked. You'd probably say, man, Reggie, that's awesome. I never knew you could do that. I, I, it was unbelievable that you could put all those things together. And all of a sudden, there would be praise heaped upon me. But let's say it didn't work. Let's say you come to your computer, your television screen, and maybe you try to log in to our live stream at Temple, and you see nothing. And you find out, oh yeah, the reason why, it was Reggie. He was the reason. He created all these things and it didn't work. I guarantee you I would receive no glory. I'd receive a few notes in, the, in my mailbox most likely. I'd get a few emails and all those kinds of things that said, please turn it over to somebody that knows what he's doing. I'd receive no glory. When I think of glory, when I think about giving God glory. Glory is when God's creation does what it was created to do. That's what glory is. When God gets the glory, it is when the creation purposes are realized in the lives of his people, in the lives of creation itself. When we say we're giving him the glory that is due to him, that means that we as his created beings, we are doing what he has created us to do. The primary responsibility of every believer is to worship. When we are worshiping him, 
When we are living in intimacy with him, he receives glory. So the idea is that one day there will be a world where all of creation is doing exactly what he, is do, what he intends. That all of his people are actually worshiping him. They are living in intimacy with him. There's a world that's going to be filled with his glory. And oh, how I'm looking forward to it. But the plan is to extend that glory among the nations. How is there going to be a world filled with the glory? When the salvation of Jesus Christ is known among the nations. That's what, that's what Jesus was talking about, what he was speaking of. Because right now, sin has led to brokenness. Sin has led to flawed lives, and we are not operating the way he had created us to operate. So there had to be restoration. And the restoration came through his son, the Lord Jesus. And that had been his plan, right? It had been his plan the whole time. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, we talked about last week. When God called Abram, when he chose Abram, and he brought him and said that through you the whole world would be blessed. In Genesis twenty-two eighteen, he had said it's through your seed that all of the families of the earth would be blessed. Jesus said that there would come a day when those from the east and those from the west would come and they would sit down with Abraham at the table. The idea was even in Genesis 12 and Genesis 22 that God was going to bring the nations to himself to bring glory. The Exodus event, the, the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, Yes, it was to deliver Israel, but it was much more than that. It was to proclaim that the God of Israel, Yahweh God, was above every other nation. And if you were to see his salvation through the Red Sea crossing, through all of the things that had occurred there in Egypt, if you were to look at that, then you would understand that there is no other God like him. Even in the events of the Exodus... God was demonstrating that he was over all nations. See, unfortunately, for the pagan minds of the day, they would think there was one deity over a certain territory, a certain God over a locality. Maybe there's a God of Egypt, there's a God of Israel, there's a God of Babylon. They believe this. And what you see in the Old Testament is God extending his glory, extending himself and his power so that people would understand that there are not other gods. There are not certain localities where certain deities will reign. God, God is over all lands. Our God is over all nations. When Jericho fell, it was a word to the Canaanites that the God of Israel was the true God. When Elijah stood there on Mount Carmel and he faced the priest of Baal, it was to demonstrate that there was one God, one true God. When you think of the inclusion of non-Israelites into the life of Israel, when you think of Ruth, when you think of Rahab and how God brought them literally into his family, it was an illusion how God was going to continue to bring the nations. I'd say to you that even the ancient hymn book of Israel, the book of Psalms, will invite people, invite all nations to come and to worship the true king. 
See, this has been God's plan. God's plan to bring the nations to himself. I love the words of Isaiah. Isaiah 49, 6 says, Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Isaiah, as he speaks the word of God, he says, it is too small a thing. It's too little just to deal with one nation. It's just too small. That's not the vision that I have. Now, he uses Israel. Israel in itself is going to be a light unto the nations. There are going to be moments, even like in the book of Jonah, where they are to go and they are to proclaim the repentance from their sin. From sin. So those things happen. But God says, I got bigger plans. I got larger plans. It's not just about one nation. What I'm doing is I'm going to bring a world. I am going to bring the nations to myself. Is that not a bold agenda to bring the world to himself? And according to what Jesus said here in Luke 24, 47, he is going to bring repentance and forgiveness of sins to the nations. What a task. God set out to bring salvation and forgiveness of sin for all nations. Folks, I fall short of the glory almost every day. I'm broken and I'm flawed. Thankfully, Jesus Christ came to die for me. And he brought salvation and healing and mending. It doesn't mean that I am where I'm supposed to be yet. As a matter of fact, God's still working. But he loved me enough to come for me and to give me forgiveness of my sins. It's overwhelming to me, even as we took the Lord's Supper today, it is overwhelming to me that God would love me that much. But think about this task. Think about his love for a moment. Of how he didn't just forgive you. He didn't just say he was going to forgive the sins of Temple Baptist Church. He didn't even say he would just forgive the sins of North Louisiana or even the United States. He said he would forgive the sins of those who would call upon him from every nation. And Jesus Christ died so that all nations could know him. Jesus Christ died for the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints because, listen, the Old Testament saints were saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. He, say, he died for those of the past. He died for those that would come after him. This is a bold, unbelievable task that he had come. And Jesus was up to the task. And he fulfilled his purpose so that all nations could know God. And today I recognize that we don't have an American God. We don't have the corner on spirituality or let me tell you, our God, he is a German God, he is a Pakistani God, he is an Indian God, he is an Australian God, he is a Djibouti God, he is a God of the nations. Because he has had a big agenda from the beginning. 
And he is working toward a world filled with his glory. Because only a God like ours, only a big God like ours, deserves the praise of the big world around us. Jesus said, it's a bold story. And he says the bold story must be told. Always. Well, Luke, I believe he to be the only Gentile writer of the scripture. And he records for us here this commission. Not only in the last chapter of his gospel, but remember when he writes what I call volume 2, the book of Acts, he will begin in the same manner of giving the commission of Jesus to the disciples. And he will say that you are to be my witnesses. Jesus said, you are witnesses of these things. The repentance of sin and the, the forgiveness that we receive, it has to be decisively spoken, decisively preached. I've heard people before say, well, I'll just live my life and people will see my testimony and I don't really ever have to necessarily mention Jesus to them. Now, I do believe that our actions should always line up with our words. And I do believe that it is so important to live testimony. But how can people know that your testimony is the result of Jesus' intervention in your life unless you tell them? You see, here the disciples were charged with being witnesses. They had seen Jesus. They had heard. They had listened to his teaching. They had witnessed the crucifixion. They had seen the resurrection. Now they are going to tell the story. You are my witnesses. And this is where I think we come into the story. Because we as believers, what do we do? We are witnesses. We are witnesses. Now, I am so grateful to belong to a church that has opportunities to increase effectiveness in witness. I, I love that Brother Ben or George or our staff, they will put together times when they will train us of how to share the gospel. I am so supportive of that because I think we can always learn and we can always be more effective in the way we present the gospel of Christ. But may I suggest to you that you and I ought to be witnesses whether we've ever attended a seminar on evangelism or not. We ought not to be waiting to be trained. We ought to be, these, these disciples, they knew what they had seen and they simply reported what they had seen. And at the base of our witnesses, going to people and saying, hey, this is what Christ Jesus did. And this is what he has done in my life. And I want to share it with you. Now, I know it, it can be tough sometimes. It may not even be natural for you, it seems. Some years ago, Dr. Chuck Kelly, he identified what he called a witnessing muscle. And he said, when you do not use your witnessing muscle, it, it can, well, it can get harder to use. Like when you use it, it, it can bring soreness. I've shared with you that I've done a little biking lately. And as a... Uh, my family and I would bike some of the hills over around Turtle Creek and Cedar Creek area. I mean, there are some, you realize North Louisiana, they got hills. It's not like South Louisiana where I can, we got hills. And trying to bike up those hills, it can get a little tough. I've gotten home before, and I discovered some muscles I didn't realize I still had. 
Again, I know I'm athletic, but there are certain things, certain exercises. It just, I didn't, and it kind of hurt a little bit. And sometimes we get like that with our witnessing muscle. We haven't used it in so long that it begins to, maybe when we do use it, it begins to hurt a little bit. But the more you use it, the easier it is. The more you tell people about Jesus, I promise you, the easier it is to tell people about Jesus. And we should be witnesses. Now, note what he says. He says, you will be witnesses of these things. And then in, well, in verse 47, he had said, you begin in Jerusalem. You begin right there in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Well, some of you say, well, yeah, Jerusalem, it makes sense. That's the holy city, the city of David. You would think that's where he would be. Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where they just killed Jesus. Jerusalem is filled with hostile people to the gospel. And now Jesus says, now I want you to go right back to the people that just uh, killed me or in the area where they killed me, and I want you to be my witnesses. You don't think that was difficult? You don't think that was hard? But he says, you begin right where you are, and you tell people the story, the bold story that I have come to fulfill. Sometimes it's more difficult, I think, to share Christ right where we are than it is to share maybe many miles away. I'll be honest, there are times when it's easier for me to travel maybe to Hungary and share the gospel than it is for me to look at some of my family members and to share the gospel. Sometimes it's more difficult to begin right where you are. But Jesus said you got to begin right where you are, there in Jerusalem. Hey, this day typically in the life of Temple Baptist Church is a, an exciting day. Well, why would you say that? I, for me, it's one of those days that I, I look forward to. Because it is typically what we call Send Sunday. Send Sunday. It's when we recognize our, our high school seniors. And we not just celebrate their accomplishments of the past, but we look forward to how God's going to use them as he moves them on. Because we recognize we're sending them out to be witnesses on their college campuses and their workplaces, whatever God chooses for them, that they are to be witnesses. So usually we recognize that. And one of these days, as we get more clarity over the things that are going on, we're still going to do something special for our high school seniors. But this is also a day when we recognize our college students who would be going out for summer missions. Maybe they're going to work as camp directors or they're going to participate in some camp somewhere leading Bible studies or they're going on ginseng and all those kinds of things. I mean, this is the day when we usually talk about sending out people and talking about all of the summer trips that we have planned. And while I experience some disappointment in myself, I recognize as well that God has his own plan and his own season for ministry. And yes, I believe we ought to go every time God gives us the opportunity. But what if God is Paul's things right now in your life so that you could be a witness right in Jerusalem? College students, what if he sent you home 
for this season, for this moment, so that you could somehow speak a word of encouragement or good news to your dad or to your brother or to your grandmother. Somehow you can speak to a friend that you went to high school with that you know that's apart from Christ. What if now is the moment where God has said, focus on your Jerusalem? What if now is the moment, dad or mom, for you to lead your family in the ways of Christ and to show them, even through these moments, the testimony of endurance, the testimony of courage through Jesus himself? What if now is the moment God has said, talk to those that may be the toughest individuals you talk to, those family members, those friends around you? What if now is the moment... That you are his witnesses. I'm convinced that God has put us in this season for a purpose. And I'm convinced it is to speak the word of Christ. So that we can get ever closer to that goal of a world filled with his glory. I am grateful that I'm not alone in the task too. I recognize my inadequacies every day. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not really a TV preacher. I'm not really somebody that even could share through these kinds of venues. This is, but I know that when God calls us to a task to share, he always equips us for that task and he empowers us. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, you're not alone. Jesus is about to ascend. But he wants them to know they are not alone. In verse 49, he says, I will send the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit that he would send. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to give us power. That when we stand and we speak to our mom about the good news of Jesus, we can be empowered. We can be equipped through the Spirit. When we stand to speak to our friend that we've known for so long and we, we just need to know where they stand with Christ during this time, God can empower you. Isn't it awesome to know that the Holy Spirit lives within you and empowers you? Now, I have been going back, obviously, and reading a lot of Old Testament passages since, since Jesus had given the Old Testament survey to his disciples. I went back and kind of looked through different things I looked at the life of Moses, which we're actually going to start next week. We're going to launch into a new series next week as we talk about Moses. And as I was reading back through Moses again, I was just, I was just overwhelmed by the staff that he had. I mean, think about, isn't that, I mean, the staff of Moses and the power that was there in that staff. I mean, Moses could throw that staff down and it would become what? A snake. And not only could it become the snake, it could become the baddest snake in town. Because it could eat all the other snakes if they were somehow challenging the authority of Yahweh God. It was, it was incredible. Hey, the staff, when Moses held that staff up, the Red Sea parted. When he held that staff up, the Israelites were victorious in battle. I mean, that is power. Through the years, I've said to myself, if I only had a staff like that. You know, if I had a staff like that, do you know the things I'd do? 
I mean, if I had a staff like that, I'd be the next Jose Altuve. Yes, because I like short guys and root for them. I know there's the cheating thing. Get over that, folks. Anyway, we, I'd be the one to be on that lineup. Or maybe I'd, take, maybe I'd take a staff like that, and I would try to do what is necessary to provide as many lemon box pies for my family and friends that I could. Or maybe I'd be a little less selfish, and I hope I would be. And I hope I would walk in to some rehabilitation centers. And I would wave that staff in order to take the addiction away from those people who are struggling. Or I'd walk into a wing, the COVID wing of our hospital and beyond and bring healing. Say, if only I had a staff like that. God, if you'd only give me a staff like you did Moses, I could do so much. You know what we could do at Temple Baptist Church? We could do so much. My friends, God has given us something so much better than a staff. He's not given us an inanimate object. He has given us his presence. He has given us the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God to come and to live within us and to give us power each and every day to face the things that come against us, to give us exactly what we need so that we can speak the word of Christ to those who are around us. And to even be witnesses to the nations themselves. I say this morning that a bold story must be told. And what we have in scripture and what we have in the life of Jesus is a bold story. A story that is meant for the nations. But we must begin right where we are. Telling the story. If you are not willing to tell the story in Ruston, Louisiana... It's going to be very tough for you to tell the story. To tell the story in South Asia or East Asia or in Europe or wherever else. You must begin right where you are. And then allow it to spread. Hey, I just want to stop and say I am so grateful for the disciples, for the believers who came before us who started there in Jerusalem and told the story of Jesus and who somehow impacted not only the nation of Israel, not only Judea and Samaria, but the ends of the earth. Because the reason we stand here today or we sit around our tables or there in our living room is because somebody told somebody else. And the bold story was told so that you and I could have life. May we be people who are obedient and who share that story with the nations. If you need prayer during this time to share the gospel effectively, if there are some people in your life you need us to pray for right now, maybe, maybe it is a family member, maybe it's a friend, whatever else, would you text NEEDS to 97000? Would you comment in some way and send us a message? on the social media platforms because we pray that the Holy Spirit would be a reality of your life and enable you to be the witness that you, are, you should be through him. I want to conclude today by offering a prayer. I always do. But I want to offer the prayer of Scripture, the prayer of Psalm 67, as we pray together and as we close. 
God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. We ask this now in salvation's name himself, the name of Jesus. Amen.